It's the Big O Show with Orlando Pace, Hall of Famer, the seven-time Pro Bowler, and two-time Super Bowl participant. And we get together on this Monday instead of a Friday because we thought we'd break down the big game. And we start with the fact you weren't there. I mean, when you're a Hall of Famer, a big shot like Big O, you probably hold court every year at the Super Bowl. You go to every party. You and Carla are bouncing around town, and everybody's offering you free food and free drinks. But I guess this year was different. I was there in, uh, let's just say, cardboard cutout. I think all the Hall of Famers had a cardboard cutout. I've yet to see it, but I I, I heard it was in attendance. So, um, but yeah, to your to your point, Mark. Yeah, we this was the first year, probably in about seven or eight years, where I didn't attend the the the, uh, the Super Bowl. Um, you know, which is a great week, uh, especially when you become a Hall of Famer, because you kind of parade around and you 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 get you get invited to a lot of different circles, a lot of good good parties. So uh, really, really one of the highlights of my year to kick off my year is normally going to the Super Bowl. And I was a little bummed out we couldn't make it this year. So some folks went. I, I saw Aeneas was down there. He was tweeting some stuff. So there was probably still a few activities, but just not not the full fun, full tilt, right? And when you're a player, you guys never got to go to a party. Or did you do anything fun those weeks in Atlanta or New Orleans? No, no, not at all. I think the focus level is so high when you're when you're down there. Um, you may get out early in the week, uh, maybe a Monday or Tuesday, have dinner with your family or whatever, but no no wild, crazy parties, uh, any of that stuff. It's kind of low-key for if you're playing in the Super Bowl. I think you and I were in the same boat. People were asking, who's going to win? I said, I just can't see the Chiefs and Mahomes not scoring. I just figured if, if Brady and the Bucks were going to win, they're going to have to outscore Mahomes, and I wasn't sure they could do that. So knowing that was our belief, What's your level of surprise or stun? Not that the Chiefs lost, but that they were just completely shut down. It was, it was, um, I was shocked. I mean, you could ask me, you know, if I bet, you know, a million dollars on it, and I know some guy did, but uh, uh, I would never see a score like this. To hold the Chiefs under, under nine, I mean, under 10 points is un- like, that's unheard of. Uh, and you're kind of, during the course of the game, you're kind of waiting for Pat Mahomes and that offense to get going. It just never got going. And, and what Todd Bowles did was kind of reminiscent of what, how we lost to the Patriots in our second Super Bowl. Uh, they dropped the safeties, daring Kansas City to run the ball. But with Kansas City missing those two offensive linemen and their, their line, you know, they, they, could, they, they couldn't run the ball with, those, you know, with that line and that front four. They didn't have to blitz because the front floor, four got pressure on uh, Mahomes. So it was difficult. It was one of those games where you, like, just run the ball, get them out of it you know, run a screen or anything. They just couldn't do it. Uh, hats off to Ty Bowles and that defense because they did a phenomenal job of, of stopping that high-powered offense. I was thinking to you, I said, this is perfect because the real story is the tackles. The offensive tackles were missing. That, jugger, that juggernaut, it's not – anytime somebody says, what's the key to a good offense, I want you to roll that tape out and talk about the tackles. Oh, absolutely. Anytime you're missing guys, especially you, you back to your second or third guys – um, you know, and we always talk about the game is one in the trenches and people don't really like talking about it, but it really is when you look at those tackles and, and you, it's, a, it's a split second. You don't give Mahomes that, that one extra second. He's throwing off his back foot. The offense looks completely uh, different than it did a week earlier or a couple weeks earlier. And it just throws off his timing. If you can see, he just felt rushed. And we had never throughout the season seen Mahomes feel rushed. And that's just from the pressure from the tackles. And obviously they, they came out, they played good initially, but once uh, those defensive ends start, you know, getting a rhythm and, and understanding what they're trying to do, they just took over the game. 
And then you picture Tom Brady, and he's just sitting in the pocket, like having time to scan the field. Like you guys in your heyday, I remember Kurt Warner, he would flip the football in his hand, like while he was scanning the field. That's how much time he had. Yep. You think the old linemen over the years, New England and now Tampa Bay, is there a certain, you know, onus that like nobody is freaking touching Tom? Like you always want to protect the quarterback. Yeah. And I think they take is there something different when they know Brady's back there? Like there's no bleeping away, they're they're letting their guy in. Well, part of the difference, uh, and not to not to discredit the tackles, part of it is Brady knows where he's going with before. You know, he understands, he studies the game. The great quarterbacks all do it. And they, you know, obviously they know where they go. If they get a little pressure, they know their, their check downs and things like that. But I think when Tom chose Tampa, I think he realized there's some young tackles on that team that, that's up and coming. And they played well throughout the year. They don't get a lot of credit because they're, they're so talented as an offense. But uh, they, they played well in that Super Bowl, keeping keeping KC off of, off of Tom. And, and Tom, uh, you know, he made some plays down the field to some of his familiar, uh, you know, ex, expatriate teammates. And they're calling early on against the, some of the calls. They were calling it tight. Of course, on Twitter, people are saying, where was this when the Rams were playing the Patriots? But do you think that, do you think that threw the Chiefs off a little bit, how tight it was called? I think so. And the Chiefs, you know, I think they, they didn't look like the same team. I don't know if they were distracted. I know they had some issues earlier in the week. Don't know if they were distracted by that. But to see a, a championship-caliber team have that many penalties, I think it was eight versus one in the first half or something like that, uh, they didn't look the same. So whether it's I – mean, they just didn't become undisciplined. I think they just started char- calling some of those holds. And if you looked at the Chiefs throughout the season, they always hold in the secondary. That's just part of their their MO, of just trying to be physical with receivers. And, and in the biggest game of the year, they got called for it a few times. I feel like we always tell the refs to just stick the flags in their pockets, <laughs> don't affect the game. But yet I do think about Super Bowl 36, Mike, throw the flag like – Maybe we're all hypocrites. I don't know. Yeah, it, 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 we all say that until it's against our team, right? And we like, hey, why, you know, you know, why aren't these guys getting open? Why aren't we throwing the flag? So it's just part of the game. I do think they called it too tight for the Super Bowl. They were they were on, they were on the screen a lot in the first half. Just you know, just let them play football. These are two two good offenses, two good ball clubs. Let them play. What do you think Bill Belichick thinks today? Do you think he's like, hey, good for Tom, or you think he's? I mean, I know he'll tell us he's indifferent, like, hey, that's a different team. He's not here anymore. It's probably – it's got to burn him a little bit. Oh, I'm sure it does. I'm sure, uh, you know, Robert Kraft and, and the whole front office up there, just, you know, it kind of chips away at his armor a little bit. Although Belichick's probably, the, you know, you know, one of the greatest coaches to ever coach the game, uh, it probably chips at his armor to see, you know, because they were saying, well, is it Tom or is it, is it, is it Belichick who's the reason for the success? And, uh, you know, obviously when, when, when Tom goes and wins his seventh and Bill's sitting on six, that's still, that, that, that says a lot. And I'm sure Gronk and, and, and Brady probably thought about that last night when they were probably sipping on some scotch or something. But, uh, uh, yeah, so they, they probably enjoyed that a little bit more saying they got out of, uh, out of New England and, and still won a championship. Isn't it insane? The Pittsburgh Steelers have six Super Bowl titles, a great organization. And Tom Brady individually has got seven. And I, I hate all these debates about the greatest this, the greatest that, and greatest in team sports. Do we have to debate everything? Just say, he's the greatest quarterback we've ever had. Don't you think that's fair? And then beyond that, who knows? Because Bill Russell won more titles. But some of those yeah. debates, I think, are tiresome. Yeah, I think people I think people throw out the GOAT way too frequently these days. And, I, and obviously, Tom is, 
hands down in terms of football players, quarterbacks, just from his success, winning seven championships. Uh, he's hands down the best that ever that, that's ever done it. Um, so you have to tip your hat to him. But yeah, I think uh, I think we're we're so we live in this age where everybody has an opinion, including myself. Uh, but uh, just uh, you know, everybody uh, just you know throws that throws that label out too much. I believe. What do you think the Chiefs could have done at halftime? And we always talk about like it, it's twenty-one nine at halftime. I'm sure they're kind of stunned. What goes on? Because we always say fix it at halftime. How much of it is the whole team with the coach? How much it is breaking off into offense, defense, and especially the Super Bowl, it's long as hell, right? So what what do you tell us how that halftime works and what do you think the Chiefs did? You know what? I don't, I think they were confident. I think the Chiefs were still confident um because we I've been in that situation before with, with the greatest show on turf and we felt like hey, we can just flip a switch cuz they've done it so much during the course of a year where they played from behind. They just knew they'd make a big play. Uh you know, obviously, but the defense just looked defeated at some point. So I don't know what the defensive conversation was about in the locker room, but they would have to do something just to try to create some energy, play smart football. Hey guys, we had a bad half. Let's go out and play Chiefs football. It's probably what the, the sentiment was at halftime. And they've done it so many times. But does, so, the, coach, does the coach address <clears throat> everybody and then you break off? Yeah. Yeah. I think he just addressed everybody and then they go through offense and defensive breakdowns. What did coach Mark say <laughs> at new England, your half of that Super Bowl? What did you said? You guys were still confident. What was the message? Let's just go out and play. I think uh, we, we, you know, guys, leaders on our team, hey, let's just go out and play, play our style of football. Uh, you know, we can't do anything. We had a couple, you know, turnovers uh, that hurt us a little bit. But we thought we, you know, we and we had them. You know, we were going down, driving, scored, you know, cut it down to a, you know, uh, we tied the game up. And uh, so we, we were in a situation where we knew we could go score on this team. We just had to do it. We didn't, you know, and, and that's just where we were at. That was our mindset. Is there a formula for beating the Chiefs? Everybody will say that now. How did the Bucs do it? Because the Chiefs are a powerhouse, and Mahomes is going to be great for years. I thought the one play that he didn't complete, where he's fallen to the ground, fling it to the end zone, I'm like, that's how great this guy is. And he almost made that play. It could have been a touchdown. They're going to be fine. But is there a model now on how to beat them? It's tough to say, Martin, because they when you lose two offensive linemen and you're shuffling guys around from guard to tackle – you know, that's the, that's a that's a mode to beat them. Uh, I think you got to you almost have to get out early on them and then, you know, be physical with their defense because their defense really looked defeated in that game. Not so much their offense. I think their offense could get going if healthy. But I think, you know, force them to run the ball, um, you know, force Mahomes to speed up is really the formula for the, to beat them uh, to get out of his rhythm, which is tough to do if you got a good offensive lineman like they had most of the year. But just force them out of rhythm. And, and, and speed his game up. Because one thing that, uh, you know, obviously if you can't get heal the ball on some of those long routes that he, that he, that he runs uh, across the field, it makes it difficult. So, Do you guys like Brady? Do you think around the NFL – I mean, obviously everyone respects him, but it get, uh, maybe it's, he's too perfect and kind of annoy people. But what, what's his level of respect and likability around the league, do you think? You know what? I'm a little bit indifferent. Uh, I think guys respect him like no other. I think to do what he's been doing for the length of time that he does uh, was was uh, you know was, you know you can't we can't argue about it. You can't you know the guy took two different franchises, won seven championships. Uh, I think guys that played the game understand how difficult that is. Uh, so I think guys respect him, like him, and you know that kind of thing. My wife, on the other hand, who was almost throwing something at the television last night because I think she's still bitter about the, the she's like Marshall. 
<laughs> hey, a lot of a lot of St. Louis folks are saying that there's no way in heck I'm rooting for Brady. What happened? <laughs> See, I, I, that's why I've changed a little bit. I'm like, dude, I hate the. It, it, although I thought KC would win, I'm like, dude, it is tough to bet against Brady, man. He's just, he, you know, he he's figured it out, um, and you know, he's he's played well and put himself in position to, to win these championships. So, what do you tell Carla? Hey, hey that's an expensive TV, first of all. <laughs> No, but she was just, you know, she just didn't want him to wear. She, you would think he's still playing in a Patriots uniform. I understood it. Like when he played for the Patriots, I'm like, you know, I don't, I didn't want the Patriots to wear. To be honest with you, but you know, now he's with Tampa and he's doing it. You know, it's just one of those things. So Marshall's been vocal about it. What do you think the percentages, former teammates, that still look at Brady and think about that Super Bowl loss and think they must have cheated in some way? Every time I see him, almost. So I mean, don't get me wrong, I respect him, but at some point, you're like, dude. You just start – it just makes you – every time you see him win another championship, you think – I know I think immediately, we started this this guy off winning championships with the first uh, – with his first uh, Super Bowl. It's amazing how much Rams lore still lives on. Tony Romo was making a comment about something, and he just said, yeah, they're over there bobbing and weaving. And it's just part of, like, football jargon. It wasn't about a celebration in the end zone. It was about, like, the O-line play. And right. like, it's just crazy to think, isn't it, that that slogan, that that wording, even though it got banned, is still, <laughs> I mean, it's still, it's crazy the impact you guys had at that, that era you had. It did. I think uh, a couple weeks ago when they were playing KC, and most people talk about the greatest show on turf, and they talk about when KC was rolling, and you still have re- references from it. And it's amazing. It's been 20 years uh, since we won, but over 20 years, but people still talking about that era of football and how fun it was. And every team that scores a lot of points, we automatically are up in that conversation talking about, you know, um, you know, offense and how, how, how great we did, you know, that kind of thing. So I was going to break down the commercials with you. And I thought, wait a minute, big O's got his own commercial that <laughs> all during this was it FanDuel. FanDuel. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How'd that come about? It was kind of cool. They were looking for some big guys um, to to do, you know, to to, to talk about FanDuel and, and betting. There, and obviously, betting in sports are, is getting pretty pretty heavy. And you know, they were looking for some big some big guys. And I know my I was one of them. And I think Vince Warfolk had a, had his spot, and then you know Harrison had his. So, which is really funny. But it was kind of cool to go to Chicago, shoot that. Um, it turned out really well. Really happy about it. So just kind of, you know, get on the app and, and, and make your, uh, you know, make your bets. Did, did it whet the appetite? Is there, you want to, like, get your agent shopping you a little more, more, more commercial work? It was kind of funny. The more, the more you can get your name and face out there is always good, Martin. So I can't complain about that. <laughs> uh, the only – well, not the only disappointment. Brady won a Super Bowl. But for St. Louis fans, Torrey Holt not getting into the Hall of Fame uh, I know it had kind of been out there, but official on Saturday night, Calvin Johnson, first-timer, gets in. And usually, as we've talked about, they like to go one position at a time. So that sort of did it in. Uh, would have been fun for him and Isaac to be together. And I got the sense from Isaac, too. I think he wanted them to go in together. I thought that would be really cool. Um, now you look at it, though, it's it's Andre Johnson, Steve Smith, Reggie Wayne, on you know, Anquan Bolden. It's about to get crowded again. I just worry that if you get that backlog sometimes. Although John Lynch, I think that was like his ninth year or something like that. So yeah, yeah, John's been in it for a while. Uh, but yeah, just hope hope Tory, you know, gets in. Um, you know, obviously, I think him and Reggie Wayne are in the same boat. Played next to Hall of Famers Marvin Harrison and Isaac Bruce, so they'll be battling it out for the next 
year or so. And then you add in Andre Johnson was really rooting for Tory, wanted him to get in and, and really celebrate with, uh, with both he and Isaac getting in and, and kind of solidifying our, uh, everybody getting in on, on our offensive side of the ball. So uh, hopefully, uh, you know, and I hate to say this because when people, you know, Hey, it's not about, you know, when, but you know, it, it will, he'll, he'll get in at some point. So I hate to you know say that, but uh, it's true. Uh, he's a hall of famer. He's already in that room being talked about as a finalist. So can't wait for him to get in. Do you, do you have to call him at some point or text him and say, listen, it happened. Don't worry. I mean, he's always upbeat, but I'm sure he's a little down. Yeah, he was a little down. Just kind of – you don't even really talk about it at some point. That first year, once – that first year is always tough. I thought this year, uh, because last year was his first time being a finalist, I thought he probably felt really good about it and uh, it getting in. So that's a little discouraging. Well, Big O, the next time around, I got an idea. We're going to have Aeneas on because he likes the Patriots. And I'm like, wait a minute. After the Super Bowl, in your hometown in New Orleans, you lose it. He's gone up and done some of his, you know uh, – chaplain work i guess with he likes brady likes belichick so what our next one we'll do an intervention basically and tell Aeneas enough of this nonsense okay tell him that yeah, we'll yeah. Carla over to his house absolutely yeah i've been to his church and he had the brady jersey on he's probably wearing it he'll wear it next sunday i'm sure uh you know because they want well i wonder if he went over to tampa so or is he still a patriots guy so we'll yeah, see we're, we're not going to accept that from this big o have a great week all right brother good talking to you